to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because, because Jesus, Jesus lives in me. me. All right. Come on. Give God a hand. Go ahead. Take a seat. Thank you, band. We will see you in just a little bit. Yes. Thank you. Well, we just want to say welcome. And my name is John. My name is Arvin. And we get to serve here at Victory as creative pastor creative director, what are some of the things that we do? We do some productions here at Victory. So if you see, oh, you've heard of them. Oh, okay, cool, cool. All right, we do Christmas. What did we just finish? We just finished our fall film for 2023. So in case you're unaware, every year in the fall, we do a short film and Pastor Paul uses it as a preaching illustration. And so we just wrapped shooting on that and we're gonna be editing for about every day until we get to that time. And we're very excited. We're really excited, and we're actually going to be starting our Christmas auditions for a Christmas production in September. But we're yeah. going to be announcing a bit, you know. But anyways, and we get to serve with all of the incredible people behind the scenes here yeah. at Victory. Yeah. Those those people who are on the cameras, who are in the sound booth, who are in the room can that give run the cameras, that? the prod squad. Yeah, can Thank we give it up guys. for all the people who serve in production here? Absolutely. We're so grateful. Absolutely. Well, okay. As they, oh, well, they already have it tonight. We're actually talking about touchy subjects. Touchy subjects. Okay, so Tough. before we get into the word, um, all right. So let's point something out real quick. Let's point something out. All, all right. right, let's see how many puns we can come up yeah, with. Yeah, we got a few. Um, yeah, this guy right here. <laughs> all right, doesn't this also look like Oklahoma? Kind a of? little bit. No? A little bit. Anyways, what happens right here? Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. But so to, uh, the whole point of tonight is... That it is a touchy subject. Now, before we get started, thank you, Keys. You can come back at the very end. Yeah. Before we get started on it, um, all of us have something that is kind of a touchy subject that we don't like to talk about. What are some of those things, Arvin? Oof. Uh, politics. Who'd you guys vote for? Yeah. Shout it out. Just kidding. See? Don't do it. Don't See? do it. See? <laughs> the fact that, the fact that it, it got uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. I saw Finances. some shoulders. Yeah. Right? How much money if do you make? starts talking nice to you to about you. that, you go... Is this person crazy? Do they have <laughs> self-awareness? Yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. There's touchy subjects. In fact, there's even some in the Bible. But that's yeah. what's great about the Bible is that it convicts, 
is that it confronts, yeah. but it also comforts. Amen. That's right. That's right. And, um, and so tonight, we're before we talk about some of Jesus's touchy subjects, because he does have some. Yeah. Okay. Do we have time for a story time real quick before you we jump into the Bible? Bible? Okay. What's a touchy subject for you? Okay. I will say, first and foremost, this is no longer a touchy subject. My wife and I have since been to this place, and we love it, so I'm not throwing shade. But for a while... The state of Florida was a touchy subject for me. Uh, let me tell you why, briefly, with the right amount of details. Um, before I met my wife, Daniela, there was another young lady I was pursuing, courting, uh, whatever the Christian verbiage is for it. Uh, prayerfully, pr I don't know. Okay. So I'm, I, I think I like this girl in college. We talked for like 36 months. and um, Talked. Yeah. And uh, it didn't go anywhere, obviously. But... It ended up in Florida. That's where it ended up. Uh, this is what happened. She's graduating a year ahead of me, so I have my senior year left. And she says, hey, I'm going on a mission trip. Praise the Lord. We love that. But after I'm back, I'm going to be a bridesmaid at a wedding in Florida. Why don't we pray that month that I'm in this other country? And then when I meet you in Florida, we can talk again at this wedding. And I said, whose wedding is this? I, I've, I don't even know. Anyone no, nobody. Wedding. Nobody. Okay. She goes, I think... I can talk the bride into inviting you if you'll DJ for them. And I they said... They don't know you? Not at all. Great. And I said, do it. So the bride, the groom's family says, okay, one of the bridesmaids has a boyfriend. She goes, not a boyfriend. We're going to decide if he becomes a boyfriend. Uh, and they go, sure, we'll fly him to Florida. So I go to Florida... By myself, thank you so much, and I'm DJing for this group of people I've never met in my life, and they lived on like an orange orchard. They grew oranges on their land, and so that's where the wedding was. I get there, I DJ the wedding, it did a great job by the way, it was five stars. Uh, <laughs> Lots of YMCA. That's right, <laughs> yeah, just on repeat, on a playlist, that's right. Yeah. And then what ended up happening was uh, that night I go, hey, so I booked a flight for an extra couple days so we can stay here and talk about what's... And she said, I fly out in the morning. I changed my flight. I uh, met somebody on this mission trip. And so, yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, okay. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I went, uh, okay. So me and the groom's parents just hung out for a couple days. And they were some sweet people. Bob and Linda are here tonight. Come on, stand up. I'm just kidding. That's not true. No, can you imagine? Can you imagine? She, she almost stood up. No, thank She's you for playing along. No, could you imagine if they were, we, we're just here to support Arvin. We're so happy for him. No, no, no. I've never seen them again since then. We had a great time. But after that, for like five, six years, if anyone mentioned Florida, I had a, uh, my shoulder. Yeah, and touchy up. subjects can be actual places. That's right. They can okay. be geographic. Okay, so for me, it's the DMV. Anyone else? Yeah. No? Okay, okay, thank you. We have one Two amen. Hands. All right, so, all right. So there was a moment in my life where I got into five wrecks in two months. It was bad. And so, the okay. The devil was after you. Know, yeah, the devil was after me. I was just a bad driver. <laughs> That's what most Christians say. They go, man, the devil. The devil was after Woo! me. We blame a lot of things on him. So anyways, but I was just being a bad driver. And so I got my license taken. So I had to retake my license. I'm 26 years old. I show up to a class of 30 people that are all 17 with braces and talking <laughs> about dating. And the teacher goes, yo, grandpa, what are you here for? Tough. I walk in and I'm like, uh, I'm just, I sit in the back. I go, uh, just here hanging out. He goes, you're getting your, you got your license taken away, didn't you? 
and all the kids turn around. There's 30 people in this class. This is a class in Mall 31 in East Tulsa. Does anyone know that location? That's where I got my license That too. setting, yeah. every time I drive by, I avoid that place. You guys know what? You guys know Mall 31? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. So that was where I did it. It was an all-day class, and this guy kept on ripping into me like he was trying to prove something to the teenagers, like he was a cool teacher or something. And so he'd be like, hey, uh, so how bad of a driver are you? Explain your wrecks. And I was like, I'm fine. This is a testimony I don't want to share. I, I'm fine. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. There was one bathroom, and it was in the room, and the wall, the door was paper thin. So while the guy is teaching the class, I try to just be very quiet, and I go in, and he goes, we can hear you in there. <laughs> this guy was the worst. It's more so this man that I need to go to the altar for, to, for forgiveness. So then afterwards, and all of the teenagers already think that I'm lame because they're like, this guy, you know, what's going on? So then at lunch, I, so I don't have a car because I don't have a license. And so I realized I did not bring lunch. And so they're all outside in the parking lot, and the teacher's like, what's up? Where are y'all going for lunch? Like, cool teacher. And they're like, oh, we're going to drive over here. And then I walk up, and I go, hey, you, uh, do you guys have any room in your car? And all of them go. Have you ever been on that other side? Imagine 26 and getting looked up and down by 17-year-olds. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. There you go. Uh... We're, our, our van is full, two people. And, and, and then the teacher goes, oh, I'm going to actually, I, I have to run home real quick. I was like, okay, 105 degrees out, just like it is now. And so I start walking down the road to the Taco Bueno that's right there. I walk down, I'm drenched in sweat. I walk up, I kid you not, I walk up to the windows and I see Mitch, mid, mid Muchaco Chump, the teacher is telling a funny story to all the students, and they were all at the Taco Bueno. They lied to me. They had plenty of room, but they were all there eating in the Taco Bueno. And I walk up there after walking a mile, and I look in the window. And the teacher is telling a funny story. They're all laughing, and he looks up at me, and I'm just dripping sweat. And then they all just look at me, and I walk in. I go... And I was like, don't stop on my account. Six tacos. And then they give me my tacos. I eat, and they're all like, let's get out of here. That weird guy's over there. Anyways, so it was a terrible day. I know. It was kind of an anticlimactic story. Nothing else happened. It was just a terrible time. But the point is, is that there's touchy points that are actual physical settings. And Jesus actually had a physical setting in the Bible that was a touchy point for him. It was a place Absolutely. to where he actually said, whoa, W-O-E. That word in the Bible, that's like ugh, A-U-G-H. But woe to me. And so we actually are going to open up into two different gospels tonight. The first one is in Matthew, right? It's in Matthew. It's also in Luke. Matthew and Luke. Come on. Let's open up yeah. our Bibles. Yeah. Finally, after these stories, let's open up our Bibles <laughs> to Matthew, all right? And what, where is it? It's uh, Matthew, or I'm, Luke 2.13. I'm reading it from Luke, Luke 10.13. I'll read it for you. It says this. <clears throat> this is Jesus. He says, Woe to you, Bethsaida. That's Jesus' touchy subject. That's for it. if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. 
How encouraging. How encouraging. How Let's pray on that encouraging word. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit to speak to people tonight through the word of God. We thank you that as we go into the Bible, Lord, that your Bible actually reads us where we are at in this season of our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that you go to the places where we actually don't want you to be and you touch us through heaven's divine encounter. Lord, of your revelation of where we are tonight. In the name of Jesus and everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay, Amen. so what's the, what's wrong with Bethsaida? We actually yes. have a map of Bethsaida. Oh, yeah, take a look. Bethsaida yeah. is actually around the Sea of Galilee. There you so go. it's a physical location. Mm -hmm. And he said, woe to you, Bethsaida. And he says, for if the mighty works done in you mm -hmm. had be done, and he names two other towns, which are not the best of Known towns. Known for being terrible places. Known yeah. for being terrible places. He says, if they would have seen the miracles that I did where you did, they would be repenting. How many times have we been in a place where we've seen great works done, but yet we haven't seen God do a work in us? Does that make sense? All right, so tell us about Bethsaida. So the reason Bethsaida is Jesus' Florida is because he had gone there, and one of the most famous miracles he had ever done, people that don't even read the Bible know about the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Of course, you've heard of it, right? Okay, he did that in Bethsaida. They all ate. They watched what happened. He multiplied five loaves and two fish into enough food for 5,000, not people, 5,000 families. There's 5,000 men there with their wives and their kids. These are Middle Eastern families. I'm Middle Eastern, so I can say this. These are big families, and these are hungry people. They eat all they can. They grab leftovers, and then they bail. They go back home. They don't inquire as to who this man was who was capable of feeding them miraculously, and they leave. So that's why Jesus is like, oof, Bethsaida, touchy subject. No thanks. Yeah, it's kind of like they treated him as their meal ticket miracle. Does that make sense? Whenever you treat Jesus as um, what I can get from you, and I'll be the first one to say, many times in my life, even still today, I am guilty of being like, God, I want something from you as opposed to God what do you want to do in me? And so those are the questions that we're asking right now. So then we jump to our main body of text. We had to do all of that context to get to this one. Set it up. This is in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. All right. So they came to Bethsaida. All right. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Touchy subject. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And Verse once, 25. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go back into the village. So the, this is a great scripture. If you underline all of this and you look through it, you see the certain touches of Jesus. Jesus actually touches him how many times? Three times. Three. Every time I read it growing up, I thought he only touched him twice. But he touched him three times. And so tonight we're talking about the three touches of Jesus. The first touch of the blind man 
It says that he, in, in verse 22, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of Bethsaida. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village, led him outside of Bethsaida. Now, remember what he said about Bethsaida. Bethsaida isn't bad. In fact, it's good. In fact, Bethsaida has experienced miracles. So why would Jesus lead someone before he performed the miracle outside of the mindset of Bethsaida? First, first touch. Absolutely. Bethsaida got what they wanted from Jesus when he fed them uh, miraculously, but they missed out on something that was far greater, which is what Jesus wanted for them. So when he comes back to Bethsaida and he sees this man, he goes, if I do this for you here, even if you can see, you'll end up as blind as they are. So he takes him by the hand and he walks with him all the way out of this village, which means they were holding hands and walking for quite some time. So one of the questions we should consider is, is it okay and possible for you to not get exactly what you want from God immediately and be content to walk with him? Can you privately just listen to his voice lead you and guide you? Frustrating, because he's known his way from his house to Bethsaida. That's where he goes every day. He doesn't know where Jesus is taking him. He has to now trust this stranger to lead him where he's had to go, which means every step is more frustrating. Have you been there? Where you, like, God, you can solve my problem just like that. All you have to do is blank. And Jesus goes, how about I just find out if you're willing to stand next to me for long enough? How about you just hear my voice for long enough, and then I'll take you to the place where I can actually do what I need to do in you. Then the first touch that Jesus gives him makes us realize that we need to become who we are according to who God has made us to be before we get what we want. Because there's something that happens to you if you get what you want from God before you become who he's made you to be. You'll actually misappropriate and missteward, mishandle and fumble everything he's given you because you don't even know how to steward it. I think about one of the individuals I followed for a long time. Now, you can tell I'm not an athlete, but I've been aware of athletics for a long time. And there's a gentleman who I remember paying attention to him in college. This was like 10 years ago because he was four days older than me. So I have all this ambition coming out of high school. I had played sports. I was valedictorian, all this exciting stuff. I get to college, and all of that goes away. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. And then I read about this guy, Johnny Manziel. Have you heard of Johnny Manziel? Okay, comes out of Texas A&M. This dude is four days older than me. His I think we have a picture of him. Do we he, have him? Yeah, he let's plays put it up for there. the Browns. Anyways, he played for the Browns. He Go played ahead. for the Browns. Yeah, spoiler alert. Johnny Manziel goes to college. His freshman year, the same freshman year that I have, he explodes onto the scene. He becomes this incredible entity. Texas A&M builds a new stadium because of him. They raise how, like three quarters of a billion dollars because of him. He becomes Money Manziel. He starts partying all over the world with the biggest celebrities and superstars. LeBron James wants to help him out. Drake wants to help him. All these other people are hanging out with him. He starts, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that there's like a new Netflix thing on him, but he starts illegally making all this money signing autographs, becomes this massive entity, and then this is the point for why mentioned Johnny in the first place. This is what he said. My plan was to spend every dollar I made and kill myself. Because when I got every single thing I wanted, it was the emptiest I had ever felt. Here's what he said. He bought a gun, 
He said, I'm going to burn through the last eight and a half million that I made playing in the NFL. Hardly playing, but in the NFL. And then I'm going to kill myself. Luckily, the gun clicked and it didn't work. And he's still alive today telling this story. But what happened there? Because I'm sure if I gave anybody half of eight and a half million dollars in this room, you know exactly what to do with it after tithing, of course. You would know. You would have a plan. He didn't have a plan because he didn't know who he was. So the first touch is the question, are you willing to hold hands with Jesus even though nothing has changed yet? Some of us are believing for change in certain things. And maybe before change, God has to lead you outside of a certain mindset, a certain thing. But the whole time, he's holding your hand. And I want to tell everyone tonight is that God is holding your hand. And though you say, when is this going to change? When is this breakthrough going to happen? Just look down and know that Jesus is right there by your side. Then we go to the second touch of Jesus. The second touch of Jesus, it says in verse 24, it says, when he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his what? His hands on him. Jesus asked, what, what did he ask? Do you see any? Come on, help me out. He looked up and he said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. The question, and this is what's beautiful, is that some people go, oh, that's nasty. He spit on his face. But whenever you realize the, the deeper meaning behind it is, if you think about the spit of Jesus, it's the words that proceed out of his mouth. His word is truth. And when truth meets blindness, freedom begins to happen. It's more than saliva. It is the words of Jesus Christ. It's the Bible. His words are alive. And so what happens in this is that you go, well, wait a second. That's weird. How come Jesus didn't heal him right then? Like, isn't he Jesus? So what was going on in that whole moment? There was a process that began. I just want to ask, is it okay with you if the thing God wants to give you that you want from him, is it okay if there's a process for it? Because if it happens immediately and instantaneously, we're all delighted. Those are the stories we celebrate and we love, and we should, because when God does that, his intentions are good. But his intentions are also good when it takes a minute, when the healing is partial, when there is some stuff that we also have to do. There's two things that happen here that really matter. The first one is that the process begins, and it's been a conversation that they're having. So what if the provision of God looks like you getting a job? What if the health that God wants for you looks like eating better and sleeping and drinking water and paying attention to those things? There's a role that we get to play in this because Jesus is tired of the Bethsaida mindset of, hey, we, uh, we need your help. Can you help us? Okay, peace. We'll see you later. The next thing that happens is this, and this one is a touchy subject, so I'll be sensitive talking about it. It's not what the man says to Jesus that gets my attention here. It's what he doesn't say that I would honestly say if it were me. He looks at him and says, do you see anything? And the man says, I see men walking as trees. He gives him an honest answer. How many of you know if you've been in church long enough, you feel like there are right answers to things? 
Like if someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm hey, blessed, blessed and highly, highly favored. favored. What's up? That's the line. And that's not bad because right. that's a great confession over your life. Absolutely. I say that. Right. You know, but it's just sometimes when Jesus asks, him giving him an honest answer is so non-religious. He's like, actually, I'm not healed yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is the and, the, and that I think is so beautiful. Whenever you're able to be honest with God, mm-hmm. completely honest, mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's connecting to the heart of God. And if you also, if you look at this, this is the first time the blind man spoke. The blind man didn't ask him to get healed. Yeah. It was people from Bethsaida who were like, heal this guy. Yeah. This is the first time he spoke. So Jesus wanted to hear something come out of his mouth. Do you see anything? And this is the first time he spoke. I don't see clearly. He sees something. What do you do with a partially fulfilled promise? What do you do with a partial breakthrough where you go, we were believing for this and, and, and this is where we're at and we're, it's not all the way there. And so being honest before God, it's, it is a very vulnerable, it's a touchy subject and it doesn't mean that Jesus's power is not real. Because sometimes the, the great thing that Arvin, I, and I totally, am, I, I, I jumped on your, okay. So basically the great thing is this, the guy didn't blame Jesus. He didn't say, you didn't do your job. <laughs> How many times in the world do you meet people? They go, yeah, I, I used to go to church, but then my dad got cancer. And I prayed and he didn't get healed. So God's not for me. I, I agreed and, I, I, and we were supposed to make that last payment on the house and it never came through and we lost the house. I, again, these are all touchy subjects. But there is a real relationship with Jesus being built that's not a meal ticket miracle. It's not a Bethsaida mindset. It is, there has to be a trust there. And he doesn't blame Jesus. And this is another part that I'll let Arvin finish, is that he doesn't blame himself. Sometimes when we don't receive a healing, we say, it was my fault. I don't receive a, I don't really deserve what I'm praying for. I know it's too big. Am I the only person that feels pressure to be a really good Christian all the time? Right? You walk in here and it's a beautiful place and there's such kind people and you hear incredible stories and we're really and should be celebrating the wins of God in other people's lives. But sometimes I'm facing what I'm looking at in my life, the losses I have, and I'm looking at the wins in your life and I'm going, God, what's going on? Or let's be real, real, real honest. What happens most often is, Arvin, what's going on with you? I blame myself. See, we just sat up and held hands and said, God's not finished with me yet. Sometimes I think that's my fault. I think God's not finished with me yet because I'm just a harder case than everybody else. So let me ask you and just ponder this privately for a second if you can. Do you feel shame with the fact that your breakthroughs have been partial sometimes? Do you blame yourself for some of the things taking as long as they've taken? Is it possible that tonight you flip your perspective so that you start realizing the process I'm encountering matters. Jesus is talking back and forth. 
See, I'm not saying that everything you think, see, and feel is true, but it doesn't have to be. When you take what you think and see and feel to the word of God, like this man did when he answered honestly to Jesus' question, that's when God can change what you think, see, and feel. As long as you're hiding it, he's not going to change it. That's what the second touch was for. Honesty over hiding. And then we get to our final touch, and we're going to call the band up. The third touch, which is powerful, but the third touch couldn't happen until the first two happened. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If there is a reason why the outline of the story mentioned the first two touches. It didn't just say, and he was healed, and then the guy did a cartwheel away. He was like, all right, <laughs> see you later. Like, <laughs> there's a reason why why it happened the way that it did. And that's why I'm so grateful for this story because this story to me makes sense to my life. Cause I go, okay, that makes sense because I've definitely struggled with believing in certain things, but it comes back to faith in the word of God, not just faith in miracles. Are we seeking miracles or are we seeking the hand of God? So the third touch is Mark 8, 25 through 26. And this is my favorite that I, I love the sentence. Everybody say once more. Once more. Jesus came for everybody tonight once more. One more time. Once more. Once more, Jesus is going to get involved in your life. Once more, Jesus is going to invade your finances. Jesus is going to invade your marriage. Jesus is going to invade your life, your mental and emotional and spiritual life. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. I, and if you have a Bible, underline this whole thing. His eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home saying, what did he say? What? Don't even go back. You got to say goodbye to Bethsaida. He sent him home, which means some of your greatest miracles are going to be personal, not public. We love to shout and praise beautiful public miracles. I believe in that. Victory is, is a house of miracles. We will always uh, do testimonies of people's public miracles. But this one, it was go home. Because other people seeing this miracle doesn't really matter. It means that I, I need to know that you understand what happened. That there is a relationship that was made with Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. His sight was restored. That's crazy, which means he at one point was seen. He at one point had sight. He wasn't blind always. It said his sight was restored in the Bible, which means maybe at one point in your life you had clarity. But now in this season, it's blurry. Pastor Paul preached an incredible sermon this last weekend on focus, and they did this um, um, illustration where they hazed the camera, and the camera made Pastor Paul look blurry. And maybe in this season of your life, you go, at one point, man, things were very clear, and I, and, and I knew what I was going to do, and I knew what, what life was about. But to be honest, right now, it feels a little blurry. Is there anyone else that, that has maybe got to speak into in that? Jesus sent him home. He sent him home, which means whatever you thought you needed 
from Bethsaida, you don't need it anymore. Whatever pursuit you've been wasting your time on so far, you actually don't need that anymore. Whatever person's attention you were trying to get, whatever job you were trying to earn, whatever it was that you were trying to accomplish over there, you don't need that anymore. You can go home and rest. I pray that that would be the perspective we leave with, that we can operate from a place of rest and from a place of internal healing with God. That means I, I, if I'm going to Bethsaida again, it's because I'm joining Jesus to grab someone else by the hand. I'm going to find, because every person you know in your life at some point is going to deal with a Bethsaida mindset. I'm going to leverage whatever God's done in my life for attention. I'm going to try and leverage the things I accomplish. It's just the way the world works. You, you earn as much as you can so you can get attention from people, so you can leverage that to go higher and higher and higher. Jesus disrupts that process, that cycle completely and says, hey, you can go home. You can be at home. You can be at home here. You can be at home in the identity I gave you and in what I gave you to steward. If we would focus on that and pay attention to that, we'd have the clarity and the understanding that this man got to have. Yeah. And with clarity, like Pastor Paul said, it's a new level of focus, and focus is a superpower. And we believe that this is, a, this is the word, word of the Lord in this season. There's a reason why Pastor Paul felt from the Holy Spirit to preach this last weekend. And then as we were looking at this, it was like, oh, man, even in the middle of our haziness, Jesus asked, do you see anything? So it's getting that vision. So I want us all to bow our heads and close. Oh, 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 oh.